a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We've all been watching the extraordinary women of Ukraine as they defend their country, as they help their neighbors, and as they secure young children to safety. Today is International Women's Day, and it begs the question of, are we getting past the headlines uh, of just celebrating? What are we doing to really elevate, to elevate, especially young women here in the United States of America and around the world so that their contributions to society can be seen, felt, and have maximum insight and impact? Uh, It's time for a different kind of conversation. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Very pleased to have joining us on International Women's Day, President Astrid Tamines from Utah Valley University. President, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, and happy International Women's Day. (laughs) Uh, It is a a great day, and it it is one as we look both at uh, celebrating Women's History Month and uh, this International Day as well. Give me your perspective. You've had an extraordinary journey. You've broken a lot of glass ceilings. Uh, I I often think you have a sledgehammer uh, in your back pocket there to to break those down (laughs) and create space for everyone to have those opportunities. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. I got my first exposure to International Women's Day in my 20s when I was living in the Soviet Union. Interestingly, the Soviet government at the time was really making a big move to push women into all of the professions, although uh, many problems, I think, remained with inequality. But, you know, there was an effort there. And that was the first time that I learned about International Women's Day. And then, of course, for Women's History Month, I think it's terrific for us to remember the many contributions of women to history. Uh, often the women are invisible, whether you think history or you think scripture, for example. There aren't very many women at all. And so this is a great way. It just happened in the last, uh, I think, since 1980 when when uh, Women's History Month became a, a thing. It, it started as a day, then a week, and then a month. So it's an important time to remember uh, what is it that women have to do in their journeys. I think the journey to leadership, the journey to success is a gendered experience. It's different for men and for women, and particularly different for women who choose to get married and have children. So I'm really glad we are celebrating women this month. Uh, it, it is so important. And 
you, you mentioned that that unique voice and and the unique things that women bring to the table. We we've been talking and and coming back to that women need a not just a seat at the table, uh, but a voice at the table, and not just to talk about women's issues, but to talk about all the issues. If you look, for example, at the World Economic Forum and then the what they they look at every year, the global gender gap. Uh, one of the things they point out is just that the, the the perspectives of women on everything from education to the labor force to peace processes, for example, uh, you need all of these perspectives in order to come up with better ideas and more robust and sustainable outcomes. So I was, for example, surprised when I was still working in the Philippines on the peace process with the Muslim minority and the government in the Philippines back in the uh, in 2003 to 2007, where I learned that in peace negotiations, when women are at the table, and this is quantifiable, the agreements that are signed tend to last longer. Mm-hmm. So there is a benefit to getting the perspectives of women and their own you know, life experiences and what they have to bring, listen to what they have to bring to the table. Uh, that's that's so important. And uh, I know you have a, a number of activities and, th- and things that you're doing uh, down on campus, uh, Utah Valley University, as part of Women's History Month and as part of this International uh, Women's Day. Tell us about those. What I want to talk about most of all is, is what UVU has been doing since 2011. This is under my predecessor, Matt Holland, when the Women's Success Center was launched. And I understand it was really an initiative of Paige Holland. Mm. So the Women's Success Center, um, they're doing many things, including this month, the Women's Success Center luncheon. And that is probably one of our most successful fundraising events where in one lunch, we can raise, you know, half a million dollars for scholarships for women. But the Women's Success Center really looks at uh, doing uh, scholarships, programming. We do all these things. We don't even look at them. We do them. Scholarships, programming, mentoring and even a a course on managing life transitions. Because there are many cases where women come to us after their lives fall apart. Luckily, we have the help that they need. So managing life transitions, uh, applying for financial aid, and then most of all, you know, women students, especially if they have children, one of their greatest challenges is quality child care. And UVU offers the We Care Center. It is clean, it is bright, it is airy, it is fun, and they know their children can be in a safe place while they're going to classes. And we even have uh, Mama Va Pods. Those are uh, pods where, where women can nurse or pump milk in privacy in between classes. Oh, that's fantastic. And you mentioned mentoring. I think that's such a, a vital part, uh, as you said, of the the women's leadership journey uh, is that mentoring and, and that mentoring both uh, by women uh, to other colleagues, to up and coming uh, colleagues in the workplace and also men mentoring women uh, in those leadership roles as well, that we really do have to take a, a different kind of perspective when it comes to kind of building that next generation of leader? Absolutely. So um, as I look at my own journey, um, I can speak to this uh, topic of mentoring. So as you know, I was educated by Catholic nuns. So my earliest mentors and the figures of authority around me were all these female teachers and the Catholic nuns, including, you know, Mother Superior, who ran the entire school. And then as I got older in my career, 
uh, starting in, at Brigham Young University, where I had my first job as a student, and then at Harvard, MIT, on Wall Street, and elsewhere. My mentors have actually been primarily men, and I am so grateful to them because they've helped me with everything from, you know, um, navigating an interview or even knowing about job uh, uh, openings that I, I should apply for. And to this day, you know, a couple of my male mentors have passed away, but some of them are still around. And these are now mentoring relationships of 30 years. And I will tell you that um, these have been golden threads of relationships in my life. They've seen me in my ups and downs. They have mentored me even at a personal level to become a better person and a better mother, a better wife, and you know, a better leader. So I hope that all of us in all of our uh, professions think about who is that 12-year-old girl watching us? Who is that 18-year-old college student? Who is that 32-year-old mother trying to return to the workforce? And what can we do to listen to them and empathize with them and support them? Uh, and those golden threads are are, are powerful. Uh, they they bind us, they inspire us, and uh, they pull us forward towards uh, a, a greater a greater future and those opportunities. Uh, President, before I let you go, what's the one thing that we're missing? What's the one thing you wish we were having a different kind of conversation or a better conversation when it comes to to helping? Women and young women in particular, we, we often talk about STEM and, and interest versus aptitude and that the aptitude is high, but the, there's not always that belief that they can go there. What's the conversation you wish we were having a little more of? So if I were to think about Utah in particular, I think it's important to understand the state of women here in, the, in Utah. 27% of our women never marry and 72% of our women ages 20 to 59 are in the workforce. And then you have uh, another percentage, 26% of women, uh, I believe, in Utah are the, are the primary breadwinners. So when you think about it, women are already in potential leadership journeys. They are in the workforce. But I think the conversation that I would like to have us uh, do more of is the conversation surrounding fear, where we socialize girls and women to be afraid of their own success to be afraid of their multifaceted personalities that, yes, they can be wives and mothers and they could also cure cancer. They could be engineers. They could be managers of uh, restaurants, whatever it is they want to do. I think fear is, is one of the greatest obstacles. And then on top of that, we have to look at our public policies. But we need to really talk about the fear factor and how we socialize girls and women to see their huge possibilities, to see that they are made of stars. You know, they are they are divine and they are amazing, and they should see all of that and not be afraid. Uh, fantastic. President uh, Tamina, as we always appreciate your time, you are part of the Golden Threads here on this show, and uh, we appreciate you joining us on International Women's Day and Women's History Month. And we're, we're grateful for the history that you've made. Uh, for your impact and uh, an extraordinary legacy already of impacting women, uh, not just here uh, on the campus of Utah Valley University, but literally around the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. That's President Astrid Tuminez, seventh president of Utah Valley University. If anyone epitomizes International Women's Day, born in a farming village in the Philippines, uh, was educated, learned to read, uh, graduated 
from BYU, earned a master's from Harvard, a PhD from MIT, uh, was a, was uh, a diplomat, an executive for Microsoft, and now leading Utah Valley University. Uh, and importantly, putting systems in place and support structures that can help young women in particular realize their potential. Uh, that's the right message. That's the right conversation on International Women's Day. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.